All right, if you want to open up the scripture to Romans chapter 12, uh, we will continue our series today. And I'm so just so glad to be a Christian today and to recognize the freedom and joy that that brings to our lives. I feel like the darker the world looks, the more it makes the light of Christ attractive the more we recognize not only are we glad that we have that light and that hope and that purpose, but also we recognize our mission is important in this world. Um, If we don't shine the light, no one else is going to. It's a dark world out there with all sorts of disaster and trial and war and sin. And in the midst of that, you and I are called to be present. We're called to shine Jesus's light in that place. And I know, I don't know about you, but I I know for me, one temptation I have when I see trouble brewing out there is to, is to want to retreat, to want to kind of hide out until it all blows over. And, and I recognize as a Christian, that's not my calling. My calling is to shine. And although we should shine all the time in any way that we can to bring love and hope and gospel to people, I, I feel like when things are broken out there, when the news is bad, it kind of helps us to recognize, wait a minute, I, I can't get my feet too firmly planted in this world and in my own life and my own struggles because I'm a part of something bigger and I'm a part of something that's eternal that's going to way outlast uh, all the temporary things that are around us. So Romans 12 teaches us what it looks like to live as a Christian. That's what we've been walking through. So I thought it might be helpful just for those of you who may not have been a part of the whole series, we'll, we'll read the first 10 verses. That's where we've already gone uh, in our series. And then today we're going to zoom in on verse 11. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If if it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And then for today... Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Okay, so verse 1 frames the whole purpose of this text, where the first section of Romans is all about how God has saved us and all the grace that God gives to us, all the mercy that's available. And then Paul says, well, in view of that, here's what you should do. 
Offer yourself, offer your body to God. Recognize that Jesus is the Lord of your life and start moving forward on that basis. So from that day, the day you become a Christian and forward, everything about how you make decisions, everything about how you behave or how you think or the motives of your heart starts to change because no longer are you just in it for yourself. No longer are you just living the way that you want to live. Now you recognize, I'm not the Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord. I've surrendered to him, and so now I walk forward in faith, and that means I should no longer copy the behavior and customs of this world. Now I have to have a new mind. I have to think differently. And, and whatever God has given me to do, even my gifts that I've been given, my talents, I need to put those into action for him, not just for myself. Okay, so... You might ask yourself this question, what insight have we gained? What insight have you gained from those first 10 verses about the gifts we have and the surrender we need to make to Jesus, the humility that's required, the love that we're commanded into? Today we're going to meditate a little bit on verse 11. So when I look at this verse, I think, well, this is a really straightforward verse. It's really not that complicated to understand, so I guess we could just call it even and say church is over, because there it is, right? Never be lazy. Instead, work hard, serving God enthusiastically, that's the whole point. Well, let's break it down a little bit. Let's zoom in phrase by phrase and just think about what we're hearing. I think there's a lot of challenge in these verses, and maybe even if you would self-identify as a hard worker, there's still a challenge for you, okay? So here we go. First of all, never be lazy. I was thinking about the first time in my life that I had to learn why that's so important or what that meant was um, I was working in the same printing company that my, my dad was a leader in a printing company. And so as a teen, I would go in and just work in like the basement of the company where the bindery would, you know, the, the papers are getting folded, pocket folders are getting glued, all that kind of thing. Little machines are being run, packaging boxes. So I was a part of that. And sometimes I'd go in on Saturdays with my dad during the school year. Sometimes in the summer, I'd go in every day and, you know, wake up early and head in there with dad, drink a whole bunch of coffee, then try to fold papers as I was shaking because I drank way too much coffee. And, uh, and so that was my, you know, first job. And I think about this time when I was probably about 13 and I was there on a Saturday and there was this big project. I think it was for the Ford company. We were, we were making like user manuals that had to be like binder clipped together like and there was 150 pages and you had to gather each page because the way this particular thing was shaped the machine that normally would do that couldn't do it so we had all these tables lined up and you'd go around you'd pick up paper 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 and then you put it into a three-ring binder and then you go back to the beginning and wow we were just cranking out these three-ring binders hundreds of them maybe a few thousand of them so it took forever, right? And there, there we were on a Saturday. And so you get to talking to your coworkers because there's really nothing to think about while you're, you're being like a human machine there doing bindery work. And, uh, and so along the way, we would get to talking, we'd get to debating about stuff, and sometimes we would pause and we would talk, right? You could imagine doing that, like you really get excited about what you're saying. And so, you know, I was just a kid, so I wasn't thinking about things in terms of like productivity and what the boss really wanted. And the, the father of the boss showed up to check on the bindery. Now, the boss was in a wheelchair, so 
when he came to the bindery, we knew it because this elevator would have to bring him down and we'd hear the elevator click on and wow, you see everybody stand up straight, start moving quick because you knew the boss was coming. But the dad could kind of sneak in because he would just walk down the stairs and open the door and oh, you know, we, we're caught, we're not really working. And, uh, and so he walked up to me and you know, he was very kind, but he was pretty firm and he, he just said, he said, hey, remember we're not paying you to just stand around and talk. Okay, okay, I'll... I'll, I'll, I'll uh, we'll keep going, you know. So at that point, you know, you maybe still talk to your neighbor, but you keep, you at least keep your hands moving. And, uh, and I had to learn that lesson early. I'm glad I learned it then, right? That, that ultimately, when you're given a task to do, especially if you're on a clock, wow, you're not being paid to just stand around or do your own thing. In that moment, you're sort of selling your time to that employer and time to run for it, right? Time to do, do your best. And uh, so when it comes to our following of Jesus and looking at him as the Lord of our lives, there is a dynamic where Jesus is a little bit like our employer, right? And he's, he's looking at our lives and he's, he's asked us to dedicate ourselves to his purposes. He's given us a mission. And although, although Jesus obviously loves you, not just for the work you would do, but you as a person, so he wants you to rest and he wants you to you know, have, have positive life or whatever, but he, he's also looking for you to step up and do what you've been called to do not to just stand around. Okay? So I think this verse is a, maybe a little bit of a kick in the pants to say, hey, keep, keep moving here. Uh, don't be lazy. Don't shrink back. Don't get lethargic in your faith. Bring some energy to the equation. Bring some purpose, some intentionality. Okay? Now, if you look this up in Greek, it's kind of fun. Um, the, the word that, that has to do with being lazy or not being lazy is the word spude. Try saying that one, spude. Okay, so spude means not lag, lagging behind in diligence. This word represents sort of haste, or you could imagine somebody whose spude is somebody who's very motivated. Like they're pushing it. They might be running a little bit, at least jogging. Like they're not, they're, they're, they're zealous. They're excited. They're moving. They're eager to get things done. And so another place where this same Greek, Greek word appears is in Luke 1 uh, with Mary. So remember, the, the angel visits Mary and says, you're going to have a son, and he's going to save the world. And by the way, your, um, your relative Elizabeth, she's pregnant with, you know, and this, this is a miracle too, and of course that was John the Baptist's mom. And So when, when that vision was done, when the angel left Mary, it says that she spudeed over to Elizabeth's house. And I, and I think about that and think, well, how would you act if an angel visited you and told you you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world and the only other person in the world who's going to understand is your relative over here? Like, you'd probably spoo day too, right? Um, because that's pretty big news. Like, at that point, everything else doesn't matter. I need to get to Elizabeth's house and we're going to pray, we're going to figure this out. So in the same spirit as Mary, kind of like realizing she just heard from God and now she like the next thing she does is start to make haste, right? Start, she gets kind of zealous. She's not lazy. She's not like, you know, wow, I have to make this trip. Maybe I'll take the scenic route. I, I heard there's a fancy restaurant about 50 miles out of the way. I'll, I'll just swing through that one. for No, she's direct line like we're getting there. Okay, so that's, that's what we're being called to do in our service to Christ. Don't be lazy. Instead, work hard. Jump into it. Okay, uh, other translations. So when we're reading these extended texts here in church, we're reading from the NLT translation. That's the one that's under your seats. But an interesting thing, if you want to study out the sense of what a text means, is to look it up in some other English translations of the Greek 
just to sort of understand it maybe from some different vantage points. So this phrase, don't be lazy, instead work hard, and NIV says, never be lacking in zeal. Do I have zeal in my heart? KJV says, not slothful in business. Okay, that's not just your business like your financial business, although that's part of it. It's the business of life. Like whatever it is you're doing, especially in your service to Christ, don't be slothful, right? Get after it. Okay, and then don't be slothful in zeal. Yes, he kind of puts both of those thoughts together. That, that we, are, we are supposed to be on it. We're supposed to be spude in our approach to faith, our approach to work, and the things that we're called to do. So, never be lazy, but instead work hard. Now, while we're at it, there's actually a little bit more fun to be had in the Greek of these terms, because when you look up the idea of working hard or working with zeal, there's another Greek word represented in this same verse, okay? And that's the word zeo. So, this Greek word um, literally is the boiling of hot water or metal, okay? So, what does it take to get water to boil? What do you have to add to it? heat and energy, right? I mean, you've got, there's got to be something that creates that. And uh, so you could think of the passion in your heart. This isn't like, oh man, I've got to get to work for Christ. And so I'll punch the clock and say, all right, what is Jesus making me do today? What's my duty? I can't wait to get off the clock so I can go back to doing my own thing. No, you, you've, got, you've got a little bit of zeo going on here. You're saying I'm all in and I'm like boiling here. I'm excited. I'm running fast. And so you've got spude and, and zeo as, as these animating characteristics of your work for the gospel. So don't be lacking in that. Okay? We decide that we're going to get after it. I think so many times in life, we're waiting for that kind of an attitude to come to us. Like maybe for something really inspirational to happen and it's just going to hit us and finally we're going to get on it. It's really not how it works most of the time. Um, those attitudes are choices that we make. Sometimes they're hard to make because it's cloudy outside, we don't feel good, maybe we feel tired. There's all sorts of reasons why we would say, I'm not really spude today. Uh, the zeo the, the, the is going to have to wait. Um, but when you choose to say, Lord, by your strength, because you're the Lord of my life, I'm going to choose to put it all in for you, uh, that changes our mentality, it changes our level of energy. Through the Holy Spirit, we bring the energy to the equation. We don't wait for energy to happen to us. Okay? So, I think of uh, this question. What, what do you get fervent and intense about? What raises your temperature? Now, there might be something. Maybe, maybe you don't want to admit it. Maybe it's not really a very Christian thing. But I, I know I've watched some guys pretty excited about college football that raises their, they get to the boiling point, they get hot, they get excited. Okay? Um, I'm not going to pick on the ladies, but you all know what, get, you know, I don't know what it, what it might be, but you think that, well, we've all got something, right? That you'd say, wow, if, 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 like, that's when I really activate, right? Actually, the people who are fervent and intense about hunting are the people who aren't here today, right? Because this is the season, so, and, uh, and we know who they are because they're not here, but, uh, so if whatever it is that lights your fire, you say, could I apply that intensity, that level of commitment, that decision to be passionate, could I, could I give that to Jesus? Could I have that about the work I'm called to do? Okay, could I bring it to my work for Christ? 
Now, this isn't just bringing it to your work for Christ with no comma, like the things you're literally doing for Jesus, like stuff you would do at church. Sure, bring it to church. But this is do it in your work, comma, for Christ. All of the work you do, you're doing it for Him. Everything about your life, if, he, if He's your Lord, everything surrendered to Him, your whole body surrendered to Him, which means whatever you're doing, whether you're a plumber, whether you're an electrician, whether you're an office worker, a student at school, uh, whether you're working here at the church or, you're, or you're, you feel like you have the least Christian job possible, whatever you're doing, say, I'm bringing my best energy to this for Christ. I'm working for Him, not for myself. Okay, and we choose to be intense about that. You, you choose to boil with energy intensity. And, and I would say, don't be afraid to work hard. The goal of our lives is not to get out of work. The goal is to make the most of work. Okay, that's a little bit of a misconception, I think, in Western cultures right now. Is we, if you think about what people's long-range goals are, usually they have to do with not working. Right? If I could just save enough money, I won't have to work. If I could just do, you know, line things up in a certain way, I can finally relax. And I just want to ask you, is the reason you're on earth today to relax? Now, is relaxing important in your life? For sure. But why? Relaxing isn't the reason we're alive. Relaxing is our recharge so that we can get back into action. And if we get that mixed up, if we start thinking the purpose of our lives is to relax, we'll miss the actual reason we're alive, and we'll also end up with a lot less energy in the end. Because if you don't have anything to reach for, anything to run for, then there's no reason to keep going. And that's how you see people sort of atrophy away because they're missing that vision, that pep, that spude that comes with having a purpose in life. Okay, so I, I want you to inspire your neighbor for a moment and try out your new Greek words. Uh, so your job is to turn to a neighbor there and just, just give them a little coaching pep talk here. Like, let's get after it. It's time to spude with some zeo. All right, go ahead and try it out. All right, now, that's something you can remember those two words, you know, and if you need to kick your kids into gear or your grandkids or something, tell them to spude on over to get the work done or whatever. Like, let's be intense. Let's choose energy. Okay, here's a few, here's a few reasons why I think this is important. If you're going to choose this type of intensity, here, here's, here's why this counts for something. Uh, it's the way you live your daily life. It's the way you conduct yourself in business or in school or whatever you're doing. It's the way that you follow Jesus. So it's not just about when you're earning money or when you're doing a task or when there's a list in front of you. It's actually your pursuit of what matters in life, your pursuit of Jesus himself. So I'm going to apply some energy to that. I'm not just going to wait for something to happen to me, kind of be a couch Christian and just sort of hope something happens in the future. No, I'm, I'm running for something. I'm pursuing something uh, in the way I serve God, the way I, I love others. Okay, And so... The reason we're motivated by all of this is not just because we ought to be. The reason we're motivated is because we start recognizing when we are a Christian, when we're marked by surrender to Christ, everything in our life matters. And if it matters, then we might as well give it our best, right? You don't want to say, well, this matters more than anything, like I'm serving the creator of the universe, but I kind of have a half-hearted commitment to him. No, you say, I'm going all in because I be- that's what I believe about Jesus. Um, so ne- never be lazy. 
but work hard and then serve the Lord enthusiastically. Just serve the Lord enthusiastically. There again, it's a choice to be enthusiastic, isn't it? Some people, you kind of look at them and you think they're wired that way. You're like, wow, that person's always smiling or that person's really enthusiastic. Well, first of all, that person's not always smiling because they're a human being as well and they also have struggles and Either they, you know, I'm sure some people are just naturally wired to see the bright side or be a little happier. Great. But all of us are called to be positive in our orientation to life. We're called to be enthusiastic. And by the way, this is a little Latin for you, but can anybody know what the word enthusiastic actually means? Like, look at the word N. Foo. Any guesses? In Theos, in God. You're choosing to be inspired by God. It's pretty interesting. So if you're enthusiastic, I mean, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's literally what that word means. So you say, okay, Lord, I want to serve you that way. I want to be filled um, and moved to serve you. So what parts of your life are in the serve the Lord category? So we've got all these things I don't have to be enthusiastic about because they're not really for God. Well, wait, are there any things in life like that? Well, actually, no, right? Because we've surrendered everything to Jesus. So every part of our life, we get to bring our entheos, our our Holy Spirit empowerment into that story. So don't miss that. Don't think that it's just when you're doing something especially Christian that that's when it counts and all the other stuff, you just have to live through it. No, everything counts. Your attitude in everything counts. You're folding the laundry. That counts. You're dealing with difficult people. That counts. Uh, you're, you're making a million dollars. That counts. You're making five dollars or you're doing something for free. That counts. Uh, everything we do, we bring our best. Not because of just the result on earth it's going to give to us, but because we're serving the Lord in doing those things. Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians, he said, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Okay, so you're getting it? Getting the, catching the little bit of zeo here? A little boiling, a little fire? That, that we can decide that everything, every day is going to matter. And even in the things that feel like they don't matter or that might depress us, that doesn't have to set us back. You might say, I want to work to change the story. That's fine. You don't have to stay in the same job you're in forever or do exactly life. But even that, you say, Lord, I'm dedicating all this to you, so I'm going to push forward. That's why, okay? As a Christian, I'm called to bring my best energy, my full intensity, my joyful enthusiasm to all my work. I do all that for Christ. So Romans 12, 11, a fairly simple verse I think it calls us to two different things. It might depend on where you're sitting today. For some people, this verse is a challenge to do more work. Okay? If you've been on the sidelines. For other people, this is a challenge to work differently. To work with a different spirit. You might be hardworking and have a bad attitude. Okay? This verse is a challenge for you. You might be not hardworking. Well, this is a challenge to you as well. Um, one thing I've noticed about culture and the pull of culture on all of us in different ways is that culture generally pulls us toward laziness. I don't think every culture has always been that way, but I'm just talking about right now, 21st century American culture. Would you agree that it generally pulls you toward laziness? That it pulls you toward amusement 
as a purpose for your life. So you wake up and you think, how can I be amused today? How can I have fun? And then, you know, everything from, from the scroll of your media to the advertisements you see on billboards to the, the pace of things around you, like everything seems to support that narrative that the goal of your, like your next moment should be like, go have some fun. And if you're not having fun, then you should probably quit and do something else that's more fun. Say, no, no, that's not the purpose of life. Um, by the way, while we're into etymology and everything, what's the word amusement mean? Amuse, not think. Okay, so should you dedicate your life to amusement? Probably not, right? If anything, that should be a very small percentage of what you do. Otherwise, you should be on it, okay? We tend to say, well, let someone else do the hard things, but that's um, not our purpose, all right? Our purpose, your purpose in life is not recreation. Your soul was not created to fixate on amusement. God made you and gifted you for meaningful action. Okay, so to wrap up here, I want to give you three barriers that I see for hard work. These are barriers that I face. I'm imagining I'm not alone, okay? The first one is distraction. Uh, letting what isn't important get in the way of what is. So I think about, you know, just the, a daily struggle that we all have when we know we have notifications we could look at, we know we have all sorts of amusements that are possible, I mean, you could, you could open your phone right now instead of listening to me, and you could have literally billions of hours of video to watch that are fairly amusing, right? And, and so you could do that. You could decide to not think with like hours and hours of your day, and it would keep you occupied, but it would give you absolutely zero purpose in life. That would be distraction. Letting what isn't important get in the way of what is. Say, is there a place for watching a silly video? Sure. But should that define your day as a Christian? Well, no, that, that would be very minimal compared to my purposeful action I'm taking for Christ. Okay, another barrier is unhealthy habits, neglecting to prioritize my inner life, rest, health, rhythms, and relationships. I think sometimes when we feel de-energized, it's actually because the way we're living is draining us and we're not being wise with those categories, and that's why it's hard to kind of bring your best to work um, or decide to go do more for Christ because you say, well, I'm already so wiped out or I already feel lethargic. Uh, I already don't feel good, and so I can't add more. I'm already all, I'm, I'm, my life's already full of all these things because it's not organized or it's not, the rhythms aren't right or all my relationships are in some sort of peril. And so how, how, can, I, how can I move forward? Say, sometimes to get ready to work hard for the gospel, you have to get your own inner life organized and right. So you say, okay, Lord, I, if there's something holding me back here from being fully energized, show me. I'll probably share about this at some point down the line, but like most of you notice, like I'm working on losing weight. And, and I praise God for some success in that and say there's a lot of factors involved there, but uh, one thing I would say is that getting healthier has definitely amped up my energy, like dramatically. I didn't know that. I didn't know I was lacking energy a year ago. Now I know. Say, wow, what did I miss? Um, that's just one category of a habit that for me has changed and has really helped me to try to work hard for Christ and to have more to offer to Him. Uh, I don't know what it could be for you. But whatever it is, you say, Lord, if there's something coming to your mind right now, maybe that's the Holy Spirit kind of just guiding you to that. Say that that's the issue. Take care of that so that you don't have a barrier in the way 
of serving me. Hey, here's the last one. I know I have this problem too. This is a big barrier. Procrastination, right? So here's my definition of procrastination. It's fantasizing that tomorrow I'll magically have more time, energy, or focus, okay? It's not just believing it. It's fantasy. It's actually a dream that is not going to come true. It's, it's because I'm believing in magic at that point. I'm believing that if I'm not going to do the work that it would take to change the story, I'm just hoping the story will change from some outside factor. I'm just hoping something will happen when I wake up tomorrow and suddenly it'll all be better. And guess what? It won't all be better because the thing that leads you toward action is your own habits. So unless you're changing something today, nothing's going to be different tomorrow. So I, I'm doing the best I can as one fellow struggler on this road to another to not be defined by procrastination. Uh, but wow, I have a lot of missed opportunities that I could tell you are a result of that barrier. So what do we do about those? We say, Lord, we're going to need your help. We'll need your grace to push through, to not be lazy, but to serve you enthusiastically, even though we know we all are starting with some barriers that are in the way of our best for Christ. Okay, this isn't necessarily, and I do want to make sure this is really clear, this isn't about endlessly giving and never receiving. This isn't like you go on 100% full power maximum and then you never get to take a break. To the contrary, this is actually about organizing your life so that you can be maximized. So it's not that you wouldn't rest. It's not that you wouldn't have Sabbath. It's not that you wouldn't take vacation. It's not that you wouldn't watch a movie. Those things all have their place. But, but you recognize the reason you're recharging is not just that recharge is the whole reason. That's not the reason you're alive. The reason you're recharging is so that you can be put back into action. And if you have that sense that you go, you know what, I'm going to enjoy my Sunday off or I'm going to enjoy this vacation time, not just because it's fun, but because I know this is going to fill me back up so that I can go back to my purpose in life when I get back at it. Okay, and that allows us to give our best with joy. So if you're, if you're burning the candle at both ends and you're dying out, then I would refer you back to the unhealthy habits and say, you, you might think you're working hard for the gospel, but your, your hard work is not going to add up to as much, and very likely your life is going to be cut short by those bad habits, but if you say, no, Lord, my life is yours. I'm surrendering to you. So when it comes to rest and when it comes to work, Lord, I want to submit to you on both of those fronts. And a couple questions to ask, just to ponder and think about. What work am I responsible to do? And what work is God inviting me to do next? So that could be in your career type work. could be in your housework, schoolwork, maybe church work. What habits do I need to change to maximize my energies for him? What's my first assignment from here? So you stand up from here and you go, okay, spude, let's do something, right? Well, what's that going to be? Where, 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 where do we take that energy? And then here's a really important one, and that is that who is going to encourage you to give your best? In Hebrews, we read that we're supposed to not give up meeting together, instead spur each other on, inspire each other, exhort each other to love and good works. That's what this is talking about that we're not going to be able to maintain a life of living high energy without the encouragement of someone else, hopefully a lot of other people. That's what we're here for. So you say, you look around, you go, who, who is going to help me press forward? Um, it can't all be relationships where you're the person who's giving all the 
whatever, all the relational dynamic and, the, and you're just serving, that's great. You serve people that way, but you need people who will feed back into you. So ask the Lord to, to find some of those people, to send you some of those people. Okay, so here's our challenge wrapping up. Um, Jesus, I choose to spude and zeo my inner life work. So that's like what I need to do in my own heart. I'm not going to neglect that. So my devotion to God, my prayer, my learning, like that, Lord, I, I want that to be strong. And I'll, and I'll give my best effort to that. My household work. So just the environment you maintain that you live in and the, the chores that you have that everybody has. Well, you can do those begrudgingly. It can be a big angry experience or you can say, Lord, I'm doing this for you. Uh, my schoolwork, my career and job work, and then my mission for you, Lord. That, that's whatever, whatever Jesus sends you out to do, whether it's a volunteer position you play here at church or some community position you're playing out there to help people, care for people, or just loving your neighbors well. Wh whatever the mission is, say, Lord, I want to bring the best of myself uh, in your power. All right, let's pray. Let's ask for his guidance as we do that. Uh, Lord, thank you for this verse and for the challenge that it gives to us. I pray that you would help each one of us to grab a hold of the truth that we need to take action and we need our lives to be full of fire and power and energy. Lord, would you help our souls to boil with enthusiasm as we see the needs around us, we see the brokenness in the world, we see the, the darkness that is everywhere and Lord, you've given us a mission in the midst of that, to work hard and to bring our best to the table. So I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters in the room. Lord, help all of us together um, not to be lacking in zeal, not to be slothful in our business. Uh, instead, Lord, help us to work hard and to serve you enthusiastically. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. See you later on.